When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Heyo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from Studio 8 of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. It's your full CHGO White Sox crew. I'm Sean Anderson. Alongside me, our CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. The man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Eckerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. We're being produced today by Sarah. Hello. Hello. Make sure you're doing us a favor. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, give us some support as we're closing in on 50,000 subscribers. You're joining uh, the largest growing Chicago sports fandom media outlet. John Danks, thousand. John Danks Thousand. Thank you very much. Look at you on your toes. Uh, we do want to give a shout out to new diehards, uh, Ben, Steven, Greg, Jimmy, Jacob, and Jeremy, who uh, said that he signed up on Twitter because of Carm's uh, club dancer video from last night. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did. It was great. I saw it scrolling past. I didn't. What was the audio? I didn't. It was to uh, her. It, it, so uh, Carm is uh, harassing a woman, basically. I, by, I gathered that much. What is he harassing her, her about? He was. He's doing his job. Uh, he, she was doing her job, and he was doing his job. Uh, where and he asked her, "Should the Bears take Caleb Williams?" What did she think? She yes. said yes. Oh, gave him a thumbs go. up. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Maybe sure. we could cut that lady out and put the thumbs up. You know how they put uh, me, you, and Vinny's thing? No? No, Sarah? Yeah. Just right there. I'm, I'm just <laughs> I could do that. She, she is getting the thumbs up, though. Uh, she's all for Caleb and she was smiling. <laughs> she was uh, smiling like a Cheshire cat. Very uh, happy to hear that question. Probably the first time she ever heard that question. Yeah, probably. You know. Bears fans everywhere. Mm-hmm. Bears fans everywhere, exactly. <laughs> uh, make sure you're hitting the thumbs up button. Make sure you're subscribing. Uh, we got you covered. Uh, even if the Bulls go to overtime, like last night. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be talking about right field for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, maybe, just maybe, they finally figured the curse uh, and figured it out. You know, they. I don't know if you need to go that far quite quite yet. You don't think right field's cursed? No, no, no. You said well, maybe they, they figured, figured out. out the curse. Oh. Yeah, well. I say wait until, you know, some of these guys play some games first. That's fair. Uh, we're going to have <laughs> Mailbag Monday on Wednesday where Ian's asking, are we being too optimistic? So, hey, maybe I am being too optimistic that they've uh, decursed this team. Uh, and then maybe, just maybe, you guys will let me talk about Davey Garcia for a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. Why not? That, yeah, uh, sit in your soapbox and do it because I got nothing on you. Stretch our legs and uh, talk about <laughs> Davey Garcia's va. It is His definitely... What? Yeah, wait, his what? Va. What's that? We'll talk about it later. <laughs> oh. But it is definitely getting right down to it before spring training because if we're talking, we're, if we're dedicating segments to Davey Garcia, oh boy. Oh, well, uh, apparently, you know, uh, I, I heard some chatter from Twitter uh, that, you know. They're always chattering. CHGO White Sox at least once a week. We got Dylan Cease in the uh, headline for our, our show topic. So, uh, you know, maybe we go to the Davey Garcias. Maybe we go to the Lenin Sosas. We go to the Dominic Fletchers. We go to the Kevin Pillars, right? This is what true White Sox fans I mean, want. They want, you know. Daily the, White Sox show. True what? fans want Lenin Sosa segments? Yes. We have two Ooh. good players on the team. Sometimes we talk about Luis Hubbard. The other time we talk about the guy that might be traded. <laughs> and the other time we talk about Chris Getz, who is trading. Uh, one of those two guys. Uh, we got a super chat uh, from Luke who says, uh, hey, guys, I usually watch the CHGO Bears and Bulls, uh, but I check in you guys once in a while. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Luke. We appreciate that. Uh, and, hey, I appreciate that you know, you're checking in on the White Sox side and not the Cubs side, you know. Or check, on in, check in on both. No. 
Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, thanks everyone for hanging out with us. Uh, let's jump into Vinny's most recent story. You can read it at allchgo.com about Dominic Fletcher. Is it his job to lose? I mean, that's the you know basically your opening line of that that segment. Is right field his job to lose, or are we going to be talking about a platoon? I guess I know because I made the graphics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, uh, I think if you had to say who is the current favorite after the trades that we saw this weekend to get the bulk of the playing time in right field, I think Dominic Fletcher is probably the favorite right now before we've heard anything from Pedro Grafol, before we've heard anything from the coaching staff, before we've seen anything of any of these guys in spring training. I would point that way. Guy with some really good offensive numbers in, in a really small sample size of major league action last year um you know probably the guy who you might look at with the most excitement uh although maybe a low bar to clear for mm-hmm. for the offseason additions of this team but uh that's what i would say that being said a deeper dive into the numbers Manny hits righties really well. Manny hits lefties really poorly, at least last year at both the major and minor league level if i had to right now guess and this is just a complete guess as to how the playing time would shake out, I would say it would be a righty-lefty platoon between Dominic Fletcher and Kevin Pillar, but we're going to go deeper into that over the course of the next however many minutes. So uh, that would be my thought right now, but there's a lot that needs to happen before we can point to that and say that that is even a likely outcome uh, because we've got all of spring training for the White Sox to figure that out. With those trades they made over the weekend, I looked at them and I was like, all right, let's check out the AAA stats of both of these guys, uh, both Zach DeLoach, who came from the Mariners, and then Dominic Fletcher, who actually played in the minor, major leagues with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but they played in the same league, the Pacific Coast League. And I'm looking at Zach DeLoach's numbers. What? I'm kind of confused in why it is a pretty much not foregone conclusion. We said that in spring training they will be battling for the spot. But Zach DeLoach's numbers look very impressive. And I think you pointed out in the article, Vinny, that he's got good splits versus righties, got good splits versus lefties. So I would maybe think about him also. He's only like 25. I think Dominic Fletcher's around the same age. So I think it's a great problem for the White Sox to have, to have actual outfielders that have done well, both in their minor and major league careers. Well, DeLoach hasn't had a major league career yet. And can catch the ball and have profiles that, okay, we're not throwing a, a first baseman out there. I like how you never put uh, Gavin Sheets in that conversation. That's a good one. Well, That's a good start. Listen, and th- th- I think that is part of this conversation is is the guy or guys, if we want to include Oscar Colas, who were here already. And, and I don't think that there was ever really a – I didn't think there was much of a likelihood that either of those two guys were going to be getting the – at least everyday job, the starting job in right field. Chris Getz has been talking all offseason about wanting to improve defensively, specifically said it about right field at the winter meetings, which you would think kind of excludes Gavin Sheets from that conversation. Oscar Colas, we've been talking about him and how uh, bad his uh, stints in the major leagues were last year. And I think Chris Getz has been very focused on him, at least starting at AAA. Listen, if Chris Get- or if uh, uh, Oscar Colas starts the season at AAA and tears it up, the White Sox would be thrilled. They would be very happy to have another good player that they could worry about getting opportunity at the major league level. But they gave him that opportunity last year. It didn't go well. I think they would like to see him iron things out in a very significant fashion uh, at, at AAA next year. I don't think, to answer Justin's question, it takes sheets off the roster entirely, but it is a very difficult path for him to secure playing time. It would probably be just as a lefty power bat off the bench, and that's really in the event that he has himself a good spring training at that. He's not going to supplant Andrew Vaughn at first base he's not going to supplant Aloy Jimenez at DH and he doesn't play a good enough defensive right field to beat out all these other guys they now have in right field so I think that he could be a bench bat but I don't think he's going to really be starting anywhere unless there's an injury so those two guys are worth including in this conversation but it's maybe to point those things out and I think that the focus definitely goes towards Fletcher Deloach and and maybe a guy like Pilar at this point. And I know that Pilar more than likely will make this team, but on a team that is going to be god-awful, why? Why is he making the team? Because given a veteran at-bats at a position where you can give younger players at-bats, 
to me seems like more it seems foolhardy it seems like it's a dumb plan to go with well that younger player is oscar colas i think the 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 no, alternative no, that the, the white Sox younger have. players the fletcher and deloach people and taking away i understand the platoon and pilar but he, he barely hits lefties like he's good defensively good and i'll put those in quotes but, he's falling off the table but it's a bad team. We just traded a closer away because having a closer on a bad team is useless. I think if you were going to do blind resume, the platoon would point in the favor of uh, Fletcher and Deloach yeah. because Deloach's numbers against lefties last year in the minor leagues were very good, as, as Sean's going to go into. Better than his but, righty numbers. But too. Deloach is also a left-handed hitter, yes. just like Fletcher is. So I think Pilar, who's a right-handed hitter, allows them to have that platoon and give a different look even if the numbers might be on Deloach's side. But again, this is just a guess before a camp has even started. It could very well go that Kevin Pillar doesn't do much in spring training, that Zach Deloach is very impressive, and we're talking about a different situation here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think when it comes to at least the Sheets conversation, I don't know who's pushing him off the roster, which is just unfortunate. I think more of a kind of a shot at Chris Getz because – Again, I don't think that any of us. Well, I mean, if Millar it would, it makes would be, the team, he would, would have to. Well, well I would. So I right think it now, would be a. It would be a fourth infielder. Right now, you have Andrew Benatendi, Andrew Vaughn, Robert Moncada, Jimenez, Fletcher, DeYoung, Lopez, Maldonado. Those are your nine starters. Then Stassi and Maldonado, obviously being your catchers. Sheets, Sosa, and Pilar. Those are the three batters that they have, um, and those are the thirteen batters that they have. So Pilar, Sosa, Sheets, Stassi's your bench. Well, you're missing. Aloy, too, aren't you? No, Aloy's in there. He's oh, the DH. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so like, I, I don't know who else is missing. Like, I, I go through this from Fangraphs. Um, like, you, lo- I mean, Corey Lee, but Corey Lee likely would just be in AAA. Him and Caro uh, will have that assignment. Um, Popeye, but I don't think Popeye's really shown anything to be a major leaguer yet. Remillard was well-liked. I don't know if he was a good baseball player. But he's off the 40-man, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Brian Ramos is on the 40-man. Maybe they get aggressive with Ramos. Could be. I mean, like, Colson Montgomery. Yeah, um, is a thought as well. And and, and then and then De Young or Lopez becomes your fourth infielder there. But again, this it's it, there's I don't, an entire I don't know who's pushing sheets off. Right. There's an entire spring to figure this out, and I think lefty power is something that probably is valued in some way. So I don't know if it's the end of Gavin Sheets, but I think it's the end of Gavin Sheets, the right fielder. Thank Jesus. To answer Pintar Keyboard's uh, question, I think that the newly acquired Dominic Fletcher will spell a uh, Luis Robert if he needs a day. Because as we talked to Nicky Lopez on Monday, he said he played for the uh, WBC Italian team, both in center and in right field. And the metrics look all right. Let, I mean, let me I haven't take a seen w- anything in the on the, on the major league level, but I'm, th- I'm sure Pilar, if he makes a team, can play center field. Too. I believe Chris Getz was asked about that. Let me take a look. Um, um, why don't we just play the Nikki Lopez clip? Because we do have it. So let's play the Nikki Lopez clip while you look that up. Uh, here is what Herb just said. Uh, but it's Nikki Lopez saying it about Dominic Fletcher with Team Italy. Love Dom. Um, he played some right and center in, in, in WBC. A gritty player. Um, a guy who gets after, who will run through a wall. But also, you know, he's got some pop, a sweet swing, le- uh, lefty, um, can, can run. He's just a, a, a he's a ball player, and then you you want to you want to build a team of, of ball players, and then also you, you you trickle in a couple of those freaks that can uh, do what they do, like Luis Robert, and um, so it's kind of one of those things. You you need these players that that can go and get get a ball uh, deep in the gap, uh, not afraid to to run into a wall for a ball, um, but also does the little things right, and uh, you know he'll fit in the clubhouse very well as well. Um, obviously that's on Fletcher. Um, he followed up. We asked him about Pilar as well. Um, to just go on to Fletcher, he'll obviously get all the opportunities. And I mean, Robert's goal will likely to play 150 again. Um, so maybe there's times where Robert is the DH so they can give him a rest in the field, but likely it's going to be the Luis Robert show out there. And then if not, I think it'll be Fletcher just because of his size. Um, Connor did mention, uh, as people who are small, uh, we must support other short men in the arena, more five, six or less greats, uh, Napoleon, Army of the Potomac commander, George McClellan, and NASCAR's best road course driver, Travis, Travis Reddick. You could also throw in right field platoon, David Fletcher in there, or uh, Dominic <laughs> Fletcher in there. Um, so I think Fletcher will likely be the guy that 
has some shot at center field. Same with Pilar. But my issue with Pilar is it's not inspiring that he's the other right-handed platoon guy. I think that you're right that Deloach would just be more interesting. Um, Pilar last year, Sarah, we do have the graphic on the platoon um, of Pilar's stats versus lefty. He was on a very good Braves team, so maybe that's why he didn't get as many opportunities to hit left-handers. But Pilar versus lefties, 111 plate appearances, 250 batting average, 261 on base, 472 slug. Uh, you don't want to look at his left-handed numbers because they were a lot worse. Uh, six doubles, six homers, no triples, two walks, 28 Ks. So really not a, a prowess hitter. Uh, maybe just looking dead red and trying to swing at fastballs and, and taking them deep. But the issue with Pilar is he's now 35. He just turned 35 and is only a minor league contract. Um, but Jacob E underscore STL on Twitter put together bat speed by month and grouped it by 20 to 25 year olds, 25 to 30 year olds, 30 to 35 year olds, and then 35 plus year olds. And you can see that April, May, and June, 35 year olds are with those other groups for a long time. Um, but then there is a sharp just drop off uh, to under 67 per, uh, miles per hour uh, from August to September to October. So you can just see from at least the private data that um, isn't been released yet from StatCast on bat speed that 35 year olds like Kevin Pillar, their bat speed is just not lasting over 162. So I do wonder how effective will Pilar be? He didn't show to be that collective, uh, uh, effective in Atlanta last year. So I do wonder if bat speed p- fatigue, being 35 years old, will truly hurt Pilar's ability to be uh, effective with the bat. And then that question's more, well, then are they just getting him for the defensive prowess that we know? And then it's just more, you know, can this team hit? Will they be better than 29th way to runs created plus last year? Because it doesn't really seem like they are. They've added some players, but no players that can hit Herb. No, I think that the White Sox and most White Sox fans would hope that Kevin Pillar during those early months does well enough so some other team's interest is peaked and they can release him or trade him to that team so they can be, you know, stuck with him in the later months where his bat is apparently slows down as 35-year-olds do. But I would say that, yeah, it's just not inspiring, as you said. Pillar doesn't kill lefties if he killed lefties i would see the the uh, immediacy for him starting and then kicking somebody off the 40 man because remember he's only a minor league contract somebody has to leave this team for him to make it and i'm not sure you want to dfa or have somebody off of this team just to have kevin pilar occasionally bat versus lefties i i would be fine if that was person was gavin sheets Gavin oh. Sheets does not need to be on the 40-man roster, in my opinion. Gavin Sheets does not need to be on the 2024 opening day roster. We're looking for people to replace him. Why not just replace him with Kevin Pillar, and there's your 40-man problem? I, I would reluctantly take that because I think Gavin Sheets is, really doesn't have a major league home. He's a 4A player, which is, hey, much more than I'll ever be, and it's not necessarily a, a, a insult to him, but the White Sox give him way too many opportunities to prove that he is only a 4A player. I would want him to go to some other team, some organization, that maybe he gets better there, but we've seen the Gavin Sheets that we need to see. It's it's already been time. I do wonder, too, if they look for a speed person because um, there isn't really anyone who can steal bags on the bench. Uh, Stassi doesn't have speed, so also doesn't really have that speed. Uh, Pilar has lost his speed. Um, so I wonder if they look for somebody to be more of a threat on the base paths. Um, also, I wonder if they look for another platoon for right-handed hitters uh like infielders like i mean shoe makes a lefty and uh who's the other lefty uh sorry uh there's another lefty infielder um okay my bad maybe there's not on the 40 man yeah oh colson there we go duh uh so you got colson <laughs> and uh shoe i don't know if those guys make enough of a a press on there maybe lenin sosa is the platoon bat for nicky lopez but there is a platoon bat that jumps out in spring training uh that that could be that right-handed bench bat but um yeah i i, I think that polar makes the most sense because he has that defense but again that's not really exciting it's a pro's pro well, I mean, the, listen, the things that the things that, that Nikki told us about Kevin Pillar really do sound like something that Pedro Grifo would like in that clubhouse, really do sound like something that Chris Getz would like in that clubhouse. And when I hear that description, that's nothing against Zach Deloach. He might have all those characteristics as well. But when I hear that descript- description from a veteran who's been around the block before, it just seems to make a lot of sense with, what, with everything else the White Sox have done this offseason. For, like, the setting 
the tone right. for, out, out right. of the gate. And I, I agree, you know, maybe there comes a time where in July and August his bat starts to truly lag and, you know, he's made his impression for the first three yeah. months. And, hey, thanks for, uh, you know, being a non-roster invite. Appreciate made it the, right. to the team and you or, got three months of service time. Or maybe, they, or maybe they say that at the end of March. You know what I mean? Uh, it's right. very possible that it's just we're talking about this because – it's what we're thinking right now. Yeah. A month from now, we can have a very different read on the situation. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, but let's take a break. Uh, we'll let you know about our friends over at CD1 Price Cleaners and at ComEd. But we are very excited to let you know about our friends over at CD1 Price Cleaners. Customers can save over 30% on their dry clean bill by switching over to CD1 Price Cleaners. You also have a simple, transparent service with CD1 Price Cleaners. Other cleaners charge a different price for each garment. Plus, they upcharge and may, you may pay a different price uh, each time you visit at CD1 Price Cleaners, they charge one low price for any garment, even sports jerseys, the same low price for any type of garment you bring in. And they uh, are very proud of their fast turnaround. CD1 Price Cleaners has your order ready the same or next day. Other cleaners take two to four days to have clean garments ready and you get text alerts once those are ready. So CD Price Cleaner cleans your garment and sends you a text once your order is ready for pickup. And they have a wide variety of services like dry cleaning, wash and fold laundry, blankets and comforters, tailors and alterations, leather cleaning, and area rug cleaning. So go visit chgo.cd1.com. The link is in the description. That's chgo.cdone.com. Link is in the description. Once there, you can pick from an in-store coupon or online pickup and delivery coupon options, but go check out their wide variety of services over at CD1 Price Cleaners. It is getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and the well-being of all of us who share it. Yeah. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do? Go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Yeah. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. That was a lively reading, uh, Vinny. Great job, uh, especially with that yeah. Hey, I, write I read what it says on yes. the, the, the yeah. I was going to say yes. paper, but yes, uh, what it says on the screen. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If there was a question mark in there, that could have gotten dicey. Uh, I know that this is obvious. We just talked about right field, but uh, just to bring this back up, uh, obviously it's been a... Uh, what's it called a wasteland since 2005 uh, since Jermaine Dye uh, has left that position um, uh, um, Garcia is like what the hell I'm not here who are you talking Avi about Garcia is like well, on, that, that's what Avi? I was gonna say Larry Willie <laughs> which of the Garcias are you talking about Herb Avi played left or uh, Avi played right uh but since Avi, uh, 2018, Avi Garcia, 2019, Daniel Palka, 2020, Nikki Delmonico, Oof. 2021, Adam Eaton, 2022, AJ Pollock, and 2023, Romy Gonzalez slash Oscar Colas. And you're just, well, you're just, I think you're just listing opening day starters at yeah. that, aren't you? That's just the guy who started on opening day. Right. Yeah. What, what, what else? Is there something that I'm missing? I mean, that? There's well, there's a, a lot of guys that played right field oh, yeah, that are there's a lot that of guys in that there, played yeah. right field. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we yeah that AJ Pollock year, I Ugh. forgot who, oh, it was mostly uh, Andrew Vaughn, right? not it? Yeah. yeah. I didn't hear Ryan Cordell's yeah. name. No, you, you didn't. Oh, oh, Ryan Lemure or whatever. Ryan Lamar. Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, good. Yikes. All right. Uh, fun times. Uh, let's go into the Mailbag Monday. Uh, and I think this will probably be an easy way for you guys to answer this question. Uh, we'll go, obviously, it's not Monday, but our disc Discord, uh, our CHG Lounge, where our diehards send in questions, uh, very active. And uh, we missed it on Monday and Tuesday. So we'll bring the bit now on Wednesday. Uh, but here's AJ, it's Baseball Kids, saying, trying to think at least moderately realistically, what 2025 free agents do you think would make sense for the White Sox to make a run at next offseason? And let me just start the conversation here, guys, uh, because there is one name. Uh, you could take one name out. First off, uh, Jose Altuve. Altuve was going to be a part of it. He gets extended, so uh, he's going to be an Astro for life. Uh, but there's one guy. It's very, 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 very good. And very, very younger than yeah. everyone else. Yep. Juan Soto. Yes. I, as somebody who has seen Juan Soto play baseball, would like to see Juan Soto play baseball 
in a White Sox uniform. Your thoughts? You, oh, you're saying that Juan Soto is good and would good be good for any team that signed him? Juan Soto is good at baseball. Yes. Breaking news. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, he's going to get a gigantic contract, and we know that the White Sox have not necessarily played in that end of the pool. Um, you know, the question said... Being kind of realistic, uh, you know, I don't know how realistic is realistic. I think we got to see where this White Sox team is at the end of this upcoming season. I don't know if Juan Soto is very realistic just based on past behavior. I'm not trying to say that they're already out of it, but based on past behavior, they don't really seem to be uh, playing in the uh, Shohei Otani most expensive player in baseball type realm that Juan Soto will be in next offseason. I mean, yes, I get that. And that's 100% true, Vinny and Sean. But next year, we're going to be clearing off some money, right? Yohan Moncada more than likely won't be here. Well, Same. hey, he's going to have a top seven third base year and he's going to be picked up for 25. Even if he is, more than likely, Aloy Jimenez probably won't be here. You know, 17, 18 million. So you add Juan Soto, 40, 45 million per year. It's not that much money. You're going up to levels of 2023 uh, payroll for the White Sox. Now, I know they're not going to do this, but if Jerry and whoever handles the money looks at it realistically, it's not that much money. He's going to be, what, 26 next year? He's going to be very, very young. He's going to turn 26 October 25. And he's going to hit the ball hard. And if you're trying to move into a new stadium eventually and trying to convince taxpayers to pick up some type of tax, getting a superstar like Juan Soto right next to Luis Robert will kind of do it. Now, will Juan Soto be interested in playing for the White Sox? Probably not. But if you're going to break the bank on anybody of these recent vintages, I would break the bank on that young player who is compared to some of the greats of all time with his first six years that they've played baseball. So that is not realistic, but if we're going realistic, I'm going for Anthony Santander. Available, not going to be breaking the bank. You got other players like Verdugo, Walker Bueller, Hassan Kim might fit into the White Sox uh, plans because he's both a shortstop and a second baseman. Danny Jansen, if we need a a a catcher, I know that they're looking for Edgar Carroll to eventually come up, but Danny Jansen will only be 30, I think, next year. And then Brandon Lowe. I think that's a solid look at those uh, positions where you're – White Sox realistically can get one of those players and not break the bank. Wasn't Lyle hurt? Yes, he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. Been hurt last couple of years, okay. I believe. But yeah, right. um, listen, there's a lot of really good pitchers who are going to be on the free agent market next year. Uh, if you are in the market for a pitcher, which the White Sox, which every team always is. That might be appealing. Uh, any number of those guys who are going to be a free agent. Uh, the position player side, the name that jumps out to me is Alex Bregman, uh, a guy who plays tremendous defensive third base, a guy who has just one and one and one and one, and a guy who comes up with some pretty big hits during all of that winning. Uh, if you're trying to make the jump, I don't know if the White Sox will be ready to make any sort of jump next offseason. But if they are and they're looking to do it, uh, Alex Bregman seems to be a guy that could maybe get you there. Yeah, Hysong Kim would be interesting if they go that route. Um, but along those lines of middle infielders, uh, Gleyber Torres is going to be a free agent as well. Um, I know that, I guess, Baltimore moved back their fences, so now he sucks at baseball. But, um, you know, hey, come over to the AL Central and face the Royals, Guardians, Tigers, and Twins. Um, I, I wouldn't hate that for second base. Um, Torres is always just been a top prospect is played Baltimore played a, a lot of baseball more. that'd be great um uh yeah I, I I would I would think Torres would make sense but I again like the guys that make sense to me are Kim who's under 30 Soto who's under 30 Torres who's under 30 like going out and signing Zach Wheeler or trying that again or mm. uh you know Max Scherzer or even Corbin Burns like the top pitcher I don't think that really makes any sense and also we've heard from Jerry Reinsdorf that he doesn't really seem interested in signing any pitchers so like i think there's maybe a conversation where they would entertain soto yeah i would because uh, they entertain machado i mean i see tom saying that soto's an awful outfielder not awful just range is not that great as it was two years ago um i would take his awful outfield as uh on the white Sox and uh, trade it in for elite bat go to his baseball savant page and look at all the red the man would murder at guaranteed rate field. Absolutely murder everywhere, but especially at guaranteed rate field. Come on now. I don't care if it's I don't care if he makes an error on every goddamn play. He'll make it up on the offense side. 
Yeah, I mean, you could just Jake Berger it. I mean, Jake Berger had the ability. I think Juan Soto had the ability. I mean, most people, like the San Diego Padre fans and, you know, the Yankee fans who just acquired him and the national fans who had him, they really never complained about Juan Soto. I would uh, never would. Weird, weirdly enough. Uh, Did anybody complain about Manny Ramirez? Good at baseball. In his defense? No, it's like Manny being Manny. Like, they made a whole thing about him being goofy and making airs. They didn't like, oh, you suck, Manny. He's like, oh, that's just Manny being Manny. Um, I would say the same thing about Juan being Juan. So, I love that 300 home run he hit in the eighth, though. It was ni- great. 19-year-old Juan, uh, until his age 24 season, has been an OPS plus of 157. And if you look at baseball history, mm. uh, players uh, from age 24 or younger, uh, mm. so, you know, when they made their debut to age 24, uh, only uh, 10 guys had a better OPS plus. Dick Allen, Jamie Foxx, Mickey Mantle, Albert Jamie Pujols. Fox Not Jamie Foxx. Jimmy Foxx. Oh, Fox. Jimmy, Jimmy Fox. Fox. Yeah. oh the toy <laughs> cannon. <laughs> Jamie Foxx, too. Whoops. That Ray. <laughs> uh, Dick Electro Allen. Electro himself. <laughs> uh, Dick Allen, Jimmy Fox, Mickey Mantle, mm-hmm. Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, Lou Gehrig. Who the hell is Willie Wells? In good company. <laughs> yeah, in good company. Uh, he was great until he was 24, that's yeah, for sure. He fell off the table. <laughs> Frank Thomas. Baby. Ted Williams. Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh Gibson. Yeah, those guys are all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll deal with this bad defense. Yeah, I, I, I would deal with the bad defense, and I would pay him $400 million. Whatever he wants. And, and also, too, we just learned that baseball, these unlimited baseball contracts can also be deferred. So, hey, Get creative with it. If Juan Soto is the White Sox right fielder for the next 15 years after 2025, I am not complaining about right field for the next 15 years. And if Jerry's well, you know looking what? at his calendar, he's like, I'm 87. I won't have to pay this shit. <laughs> Somebody else's problem. <laughs> or you know what? Just DH him. Oh, yeah, right. You can just in. DH him. <laughs> great great Because solution. as we know, what, Aloy Jimenez is a player option next year, or a club option next year. So if they wanted to open up that DH spot, they could open up that DH spot and pay uh, the $16 million that they would pay Aloy Jimenez to Juan Soto. We're just talking uh, about this now because we know it's not going to happen eventually. But it's it, as Otani was for everybody to bid on, this is the same, but I think a little bit more of Jerry's up Jerry's alley because of he's a hitter and he's young. So at the end of that, if you get a 10-year contract, you'll only be 36. Right, exactly, which is hilarious. Yes. Um, he's not even 25. Only yet. two years of that terrible September bat speed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, we're DFA in your ass. Get out of here. Um, I do you want to bring this up? Because we ran into his name, uh, Willie Wells. Uh, Willie the Devil Wells. Wow. Uh, the reason why I don't think we were uh, truly recognizing uh, of him because uh, – uh, most of his stats were in the Negro Leagues. Uh, Hall of Famer, won the Triple Crown, 10-time All-Star, had the batting title uh, as well. So this is a guy that you guys probably would have maybe brought up with Bob. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, uh, Willie another, Wells. Another uh, person that's just not known because of the Negro Leagues and the not being v- widely uh, advertised at the time. But that man was crushing but he's as good. But he's as good as Mickey Mantle and Albert yes, Pujols. exactly. Uh, <laughs> from, from the ages of 19 to 25, he had an OPS uh, of 1051. So over basically That's tw- good. 20 yeah, yeah. 2500 plate appearances he had a, a OPS of 1050. Pretty decent. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> a cool 355 uh, batting average, 436 on base and mm. a 615 uh, slugging percentage. And a nice. cool ass nickname. The Devil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, no, I'm just thinking of David Putty probably now. Had, probably had a great nickname to go with or a great story to go on with that nickname too. Willie Wells? No, that devil is like, oh, why oh. I got the devil? And then goes and spins a yarn. Uh, Juan Soto's nicknames, uh, Soto uh, Pache, Pacheo, uh, Juanjo, Childish Bambino, and La Fiera. I like Childish Bambino. It's a nice it's play just, on words. How is it a nice play on words? I mean, Childish Gambino. Oh. And Babe Ruth oh. is the great Bambino. Oh, and now yeah. he's in New oh. York. Yeah. No? Woof. Yeah, no, like woof, I didn't get that one. Yeah, okay. I, that was pretty pretty clear. All right, uh, let's take a break because I need one. I need to recover after that one. Uh, let you know about our friends over at Game Time, and then we'll jump into Ian's question, and then I'll tell you guys about Davey Garcia's fastball. Um, but Game Time... Uh, Game time is a place where you're not going to stress when you're looking to buy tickets. I know Sarah just got tickets uh, from the Bulls and Pistons game. She's very excited to go see how bad the Pistons are in person. I think I spent, what was it? I got two tickets for, I think, like 
40 bucks or something. Oh. I bought them a month ago, too. There you go. I've awesome. been waiting for this game. <laughs> you, so if you're like Sarah <laughs> and you've been waiting for an event and want to get your ticket as soon as possible, or they have last-minute uh, deals, uh, killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, view and free receipts, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying. Again, last-minute tickets, so if you are looking to just roll up to the United Center one day, see the Bulls, see the Blackhawks, uh, Game Time has you covered. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect from uh, your seat when you arrive. Uh, all in prices show your total up front, so you know what you're getting. Uh, a great deal without hidden fees, and you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. So the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase uh, and they're obsessed with finding ways for you to save money on tickets so download the game time app and save twenty dollars right now download the game time app create an account and use code chgo for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code chgo for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed um do you see those super bowl tickets were less than six grand on game time oh they were less wow. than six grand a wow. little Just more expensive saying. a little what more a expensive steal. than bulls pistons <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> you could probably buy maybe not you could you buy out the united center for six grand no no well you could buy three thousand no wait that's not tickets right three hundred twenty dollar tickets to the bulls game for uh, the amount of money you'd spend on Super Bowl, one Super Bowl ticket. All right. So if you have six grand out there, think about what you want to do. Go to the 300, bring three, 299 of your closest friends to the Bulls game. <laughs> That's a party. Watch the Pistons. And play. then you got like 299 favors in the, in the future. That's true. Instead yeah. of just you going to the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of those favors is a person taking to the Super Bowl. You know? Boom. Um, all right. Let's uh, go into uh, the next Mailbag Monday question. Uh, Pine Tar Keyboard also bringing up uh, two Japanese, I believe, high schoolers that are coming over. Uh, Roki Sasaka and Munetaka Murakami. Give it a shot. Uh, They're coming over. I don't know much about th those Japanese players, but I do know they're at the young. So it's kind of the same uh, uh allure of Yamamoto. I think Sasaki might be younger as well. So yeah. interesting if the White Sox would take a shot at a Japanese player like that. And I heard one of them, maybe both these guys, are enrolling into colleges here in America so they wouldn't have to go through the posting fees of uh, you know, Japan and such and then do all that stuff that you know usual Japan Japanese players do when they come over here to America. But would that make them draft, draft eligible? eligible? Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Make them draft eligible. Younger high school players and just coming over to get in their uh, high school thing here. I think that also happened with a couple players who were Cuban who just went to American high schools instead of, you know, going the regular route. Um, Sasaki is a pitcher, and he was on the Japanese uh, he was filthy. World Baseball Classic team. Uh, he also threw a perfect game uh, in the NPB as well back in 2022. But um, he's a teenager? He's, he's old. 22. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's old. Um, he's, old. <laughs> not in, he's not in high school. He's old. I'm, I'm saying he's not in high school. 23 years old. Yeah, he's I'm saying younger he's not than in Juan high Soto. school. I got you. Yes. Uh, but then, uh, I mean, yeah, Mineta Murakami is a uh, third baseman. Um, I think there's another one who's like... A, a true power hitter. I can't think of his name, but I think he's the guy that's coming over to go to a college. Mm -hmm. I think he's the one that's going to like UCLA or something and yeah. then will jo join the draft. I think these guys will be free agents. Um, but yeah, we'll see. That's obviously confusing just because the, the posting fees and uh, all that stuff. It seems like they're trying to get around it to get to Major League Baseball. Um, but let's go to Ian's question. Ian said, why is it that it seems the pods, P-O-D-S, are too optimistic uh, from he, Ian Robo, a uh, uh, CHGO diehard. And he's referencing Scott Pitsen. The pods. Yes. As he I, was known. <laughs> e, the pods. <laughs> uh, yes, the Scott Podsednik's. Why is Scott Podsednik too optimistic? Your thoughts? Yeah, I haven't heard from Scotty Pods yet. I'm sure he'll be on White Sox pregame live soon enough for mm. us to hear. Uh, but I would imagine he's referencing podcasts. Is yes. he talking about us? Does he think we're too optimistic? I believe he's saying the pods as in White Sox podcasts. Mm. I so don't sense a lot of optimism coming from this set. No. Uh, in terms of the White Sox uh, fortunes in 2024. I'm optimistic. Sarah, well, there you go. About, Ian, yeah. it's the Sarah's White Sox? Fault. Just, I always am. You yeah. Just about anything. I'm yeah. optimistic watching, watching the actual games because it looks like the play's improved. The hitting's not. I just want everyone to have fun. Yeah. And this is the time where people, as always says, hope springs eternal. You start looking at your team, you're like, yeah, maybe you start rationalizing to yourself, like, eh, if this happens, that happens. You saw Fangrass today. I sent it to you guys. Fangrass 
raise the White Sox playoff odds from zero from uh, yesterday with uh, Baseball America to 0. 0.8. Well, that's just different projections. I know, I know <laughs> but they're, they're, they're actually being very optimistic on the White Sox, where the other one's like, nah, they're never going to make the playoffs this year. But Fangrad's like, fuck that. Yeah, I mean, 0.8. maybe we were a little bit more positive, more optimistic than 0.00. Like, I guess that's, you know, we, we gave them that. But that, that's that mathematically impossible, folks. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I I don't think that anyone's being too optimistic. Again, the sportsbook projections are thinking that the White Sox are winning 63 and a half games. Uh, the Dakota projection has them winning 65 and a half. Nothing's optimistic about that. Seems pretty on par. What we've heard, though, or what we think is that Chris Getz is trying to raise the floor of this White Sox team. I think that he's done that defensively. So I think it's possible that they, again, have a lower floor, but just a lower uh, or a lower ceiling, uh, but a higher floor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe they don't only win 61 games and they, you know, at worst only win 65 games. That's optimistic. It's hard, hard to hard to do 100 losses two years in a row. Like I could see them it's just hard to do 65 to 72 wins. And that would prevent them from losing 100 games. There you go. Yeah. I guess that's optimism <laughs> for, the, for the 2024 White Sox. Like, it, it doesn't seem like there's any true, this is why the White Sox will win games outside of Luis Robert Jr., but they will have Dylan Cease, so there will be at least more talent uh, to start the 2024 season. Uh, Michael Soroka is on this 2025 uh, free agent list. Michael Soroka is only 26 years old. Like, this guy's a pitching for his true, like, real contract. So it's interesting to see a guy that has that much skill and that much talent um, and has a true reason to be, you know, fighting still. So, I mean, you could say the same, even though it's not at the end of his contract, that Michael Kopech, if he has another middling year or a year that's disappointing, I don't think anybody will have him as a starter anymore. Well, don't worry. I mean, people are fine putting him in the bullpen and making him the closer, so it doesn't matter. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think that they're... It's tough to really build optimism about a team that really doesn't give you a direction of where they're going. Well, I mean, I think the let's put it this way: I wouldn't say any. I wouldn't use the word optimism, but if you want to use the word interest, there's there's reason to pay attention to this team to find out the answer to that question. Because I think for the White Sox themselves, yeah, they I'm sure they have a plan and a direction in which they would like to go, but there's probably a lot of learning that they need to do this season about what they have or what they might be uh, uh, looking for in the future that will inform how they move in that direction or how they move toward that goal. So I think uh, that following along this year might not be following along to see a whole lot of winning, but it'll be following along to see how that how that winning will come about further down the line. Right. It'll be interesting to see how Brian Bannister really implements all of his tools and director of pitch, how, how he directs the pitching. Um, senior advisor. Is it senior advisor? Yeah. Senior advisor to pitching. He was directing pitching at San Francisco. Hey, you Damn go there. Hey, you go there. I thought <laughs> the director of pitching was his staff. All right. So he will be uh, just advising the pitchers. Um but strongly, it, strongly, seniorly. Yeah, seniorly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think it'll be interesting to see how he helps the White Sox pitching gains. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Luis Robert Jr. can play 150 games again. Um, but like, I don't know. Like, there, there isn't a lot of winning, and I guess that is the point. Like, we'll, we'll see what is interesting from this team, but uh, it is tough to sell this as like a, a competitive team don't worry ian when it gets closer to the season i will have the white Sox winning the division so you can rest assured Perfect. from then from now until then we'll be, we'll, be, we'll ramp up especially when we get those games like oh man look at zach deloach oh my god <laughs> my guy nicky lopez that's a double again Golly. six six uh spring training six spring training games will be uh shown on tv they announced right before our show started so oh, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think tune you, in you for those, that list on tune Twitter. In, tune in for those Zach Deloach at bats. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. You know, hey, I mean, I haven't watched any baseball. I miss baseball. It's a lot better than watching, I think, you know, the NBA. I'll, t- I'll take spring training. Uh, February 23rd at the Cubs. February 24th versus the Mariners. Zach Deloach revenge game. Uh, March 6th and versus the Dodgers. And Freelander Baroa revenge game. <laughs> Freelander Baroa revenge game. Uh, March 7th versus the Brewer. Uh, March 5th versus, uh, March 15th versus the Cub. Uh, and then March 16th versus the Giants. So 
only get six though. But also, I but think they on maybe MLB TV? some some like crossover. MLB TV will do the other teams' games, and so we'll maybe see them ten times this off season or this uh, spring training. And was there any was any word if they're all called by Schriffen? Schriffen and Stone will call all six. Oh, all right. Yep. So we get to see all six of them. Uh, we get to see them. And work I think out there's a the total kinks. of ten games. I don't know if there, there is some overlap. Uh, the total of ten games will be on the radio with with Len and DJ. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's exciting news. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to f- the final topic here. Uh, I know everyone's been waiting for it. Uh, it's Davy Garcia's fastball. Um, so, senior advisor pitching. Two pitching. Two pitching. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Brian Bannister. I've been very interested in all the moves that he's made, at least all the people that he has DFA'd. And one of the guys that he hasn't DFA'd is Davey Garcia. Um, and Nick Pollock of PitcherList, uh, at PitcherList on Twitter, and you could check out PitcherList.com uh, to see this stuff. But he uh, posted this graphic um, about an absurdly elite adjusted VAA, or VA. I'll let you guys. You guys are going to Velocity guess? adjusted nope. average. No. Velocity above average. No, not velocity. The first word is not velocity. Uh oh. You say V? Yeah, V. V. Va. Like, va. Like a sheep would say. But mm. like, yeah, but like <laughs> with a V. It doesn't stand for velocity. Vampires attacked average. No. <laughs> Velociraptors above average. No. <laughs> Sarah? Sarah's got a guess. Vast. Va- not vast. <laughs> Just <laughs> no. Venezuela? Vertical. Oh, vertical. Almonds. No. Okay. okay. No. Uh, adjusted <laughs> vertical approach angle. Uh, okay. But it's <laughs> vertical <laughs> approach angle. It's basically from the position that Davy Garcia releases the ball um, to the plane that it makes with the hitter's bat angle. Uh, you want to have uh, the higher the vertical uh, angle is, the tougher it is to actually make contact with the ball. Um, so, so a tall guy with long arms is going to have a higher one on a- on average. Not yeah, necessarily because it depends on like where they're actually releasing the ball. From. Sure, but that's so the idea. That. It's the high yeah. versus the bat, which is lower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then his ball maybe carries higher. It's too. very flat. Yeah. So th- that that's the main thing. Is I, I think it's mainly just with the spin that he's throwing it from and the, the angle that he's throwing it from. Uh, it creates just a very difficult angle for players to square up. The issue with Davey Garcia, he hasn't been really able to throw strikes consistently. But when he locates up in the zone on forcing fastballs, um, there is just a true, and I posted four swing and miss that he got in, uh, in major league level in 2023 on Twitter. Um, they are really just like blowing by guys. So, I really was questioning why David Garcia has made the bullpen uh, and why it seems like he'll at least get a chance in spring training to make the bullpen. Um, and it does seem at least this is the answer. He was a former top prospect, but at least to go into it, like he's not a top prospect anymore, right? He's, he's, he's left the Yankees. He's come over to the White Sox. Um, what do they see in him? Um, and it's the absurdly elite VAA at 95 miles per hour, solid extension and uh, 16 inches of vertical rise makes it difficult to, Square up that fastball. Uh, so you just got an elite fastball, and hopefully David Garcia can figure the rest out, I guess. Um, but it's it's interesting to see how the bullpen's shaping up because we don't have that closer right now, but I don't even know if there's guys that they can consistently count on from outs. Like, I mean, Tim Hill was assigning this offseason, and, you know, mm-hmm. Tim Hill seems to be very difficult against left-handed hitters. Mm-hmm. It. There's just not a lot of left. I mean, just maybe they, they'll sub in a right-handed hitter to face them. Like, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see, like, all of the different ways that Brian Bannister uh, attacks these teams with, with the bullpen. And, and Davey Garcia seems to be one of them. So, I don't know. Uh, just wanted to share that. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it. Um, any final thoughts on White Sox topics? I guess I'll throw this out there. The Red Sox were just named as the subjects of a documentary series from Netflix. It's going to be Hard Knock Style. And I guess the reason why they're doing this is because it's been 20 years since the World Series. So, after... Since they broke the curse. Yes, since they broke the curse. So, after the White Sox sign Juan Soto in 2025, will Netflix be making the White Sox the next subject 
of that documentary series? Like, do, do you think that they're going to basically just make the White Sox the next subject because of the 2005 thing? Or, you know, Boston's very unique to the curse? Uh, no, no. Is the documentary series about the 2004? No, it's about, they're going to follow the 2024 team. Oh, so it has nothing to do with them other than, oh, it just happens to be 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think they're doing it because there are a lot of Boston Red Sox fans, right? That's good they're point. a marquee franchise in baseball, and that'll draw eyeballs. Um, but hey, if we know anything from kind of the popularity of the uh, Formula One now, basically stemming from that Netflix show, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe this is something that turns people who didn't know or care about baseball onto baseball because they're seeing it in their Netflix feed. I mean, I've seen um, Hard Knocks this during the season. I didn't care about the Miami Dolphins at all before I watched that, and then I got encapsulated with the actual people, and then I was rooting for the Miami Dolphins when it went to the playoffs, but, you know, they're yeah. terrible. And that's the one thing, too. It will be released in 2025. So ah. it's creating a docu-series about the 2024 After. Red Sox that will be released in 2025. Um, it will feature unprecedented access to the Red Sox players, coaches, and executives throughout the season. And then they're also releasing a documentary about the 2024 or 2004 Red Sox. Ah, so I think that's kind of cool, though, to see a season start to finish. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think Hard Knocks, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not really. I didn't really watch it when it was on, but if I'm not mistaken, it was coming out like while things were happening, right? Yeah, like in the middle the of X, training right, camp, yeah. right? So there was a there was a uniqueness to that. Mm-hmm. I think going the opposite way and just telling a story. Hey, here's the season start to finish. Here's what we're going to highlight throughout. I like that kind of idea from a storytelling standpoint too. And Luke Giolito. Getting some uh, shine. I forget who made the joke, but uh, they said, I think it was Suspicious uh, Family Barbecue, but they said uh, the documentary series is just going to be 30 hours of Lucas Giolito playing Rocket League. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, probably because, again, there's a lot of Red Sox fans. uh, I don't think there'll be a 2005 documentary. Um, But, hey, you know, obviously I'd watch the hell out of it. Um, Tubi Tubi can do the White Sox one. Tubi can do it? Yeah. Aren't they shut down? Pretty much. Okay, cool. They got those terrible movies. That's White Sox quality. Netflix is way too high. But they were 11-1. Just because they're the White they're the 2005 White Sox, that yes. makes them different. That, that separates them. Do you think anybody outside of Chicago cares about the 2005 White Sox? Well, they should, and that's why they they'll, should, they'll learn that they from the documentary. It would be kind of cool if it was just the start of a thing where we're just going to do a documentary on every World Series winner 20 years after the fact. That'd be great. Because you could go back and, like, find the things that were the most interesting 20 years later. That, you know, like, obviously they make those, like, uh, we all had the Bulls championship videos when we were Mm -hmm. kids and everything. And it's like, you know, those are great. And it's like, oh, I remember that from two months ago when they when they played but now after the fact what's the best story 20 years later with the people who were in that maybe you're maybe you're showing it in a different way other than well this was the most important hit and this right. was the most important pitch where it's like this is the most interesting guy and it might be the 25th man on the roster who knows or it might be Manny Ramirez who at 51 is probably still trying to play baseball probably <laughs> so yeah. uh, it would be fun to just at least catch up with Manny for that part too uh, anyways that's gonna wrap it up for the CHGO White Sox podcast thank you to Sarah for producing us. Thank you to Vinny uh, for being our CHGO White Sox beat writer and uh, contributing the article to allchgo.com about Dominic Dominic Fletcher playing right field. Make sure you go check it out at allchgo.com. Thank you earlier to Luke for that super chat. That was very nice of him to drop in. Uh, That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Ecterwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore White underscore W underscore Anderson. I was going to say underscore White Sox, but that's just not it. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 p.m. Goodbye. Like the mayor, 